0: Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. Good morning, church. As you can see, it is pure change Sunday. I thought that um, you know I saw Theo's pace, putting in the coins. I, th- I, th- I thought, get comfortable, Dad. <laughs> <clears throat> it was it was one at a time, man, and I loved it. Uh, but uh, if you have change, we collect that in the buckets up front. Uh, you don't have to just give change, but. You know, we have our pure change Sunday. There we go, Doug. There we go. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. We made the buckets metal for a reason. Oh, what a wonderful day. It is great to be with you. Um, Paul, don't ever apologize for a lot of music. We love singing. Wonderful thing to hear the body of Christ singing. we got a lot of folks on the road today. Can't tell it's spring break. Um, And then also... Look, Gabe. (laughs) Buddy, you're holding down the teen section. What I love is on the camera, I think they can see that there is one teenager. And and you know what? There's a couple others back there. I'm not pointing them out. I'm not pointing them out. Um, But you... Stayed faithful, and I appreciate that. Greatest sermon we have in this church, right here. Um, and so I, I feel bad because the choir, uh, the the M, M, MDYC has has gone on their tour, and so there's we're a little thin up front. Y'all could fill that in. I'm just saying, like anyone, but stay where you are. You're fine. Um, <clears throat> tell you what, we uh, as a tradition honor God uh, by standing during the reading of the word. And so as I read I ask that if you're able, if you're willing please stand. We're going to read from John chapter 14. I'm going to read verse 21 and then I'm going to read verses 25 and 26. The Bible says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Heavenly Father, we just sang, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Father, thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not only here, not only today as we gather, but thank you every day that we believers carry with us this gift, this friend. This advocate, this counselor, this helper. God, you are more faithful than we deserve, more gracious than we imagine. We thank you. Speak now, Father, for your children are listening. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. In the north, Vietnamese city of Hanoi, hundreds of American soldiers were captured and imprisoned in Hau Lo prison. Now the name Howlow Lo translates to fiery furnace. But most of the prisoners of war who were kept there called it by another name, the Hanoi Hilton. Prisoners were kept at How Lo for years, enduring torture, abuse, and they would spend years at a time in solitary confinement. You see, the Vietnamese army had concluded that their most effective torture was not actually the beatings or what they would call the rope trick, it was loneliness. Loneliness was their most powerful weapon and so to survive The prisoners of war developed ways of convincing themselves into believing that they were not actually alone. And the most effective means they developed was to find some kind of scrap of rock or metal with which they could beat on the wall of their cell. And they would tap in Morse code, which their enemies didn't know, and they would send these small messages maybe they would tap a warning out that says you know the really abusive guard is on guard today or they would say it's 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 a torture day or they would send these really short messages that would say i'm here or stay strong And many of the prisoners who survived that prison and that war have reported that were it not for those small messages, they would have shattered. You see, loneliness is a really powerful thing. That when we are deprived of contact with one another, we wither up and die from the inside out. You may remember in Scripture that loneliness is the original bad thing. Okay in Genesis, God, in Genesis 1 God makes everything. Right? And everything that God makes God looks at it and says it's good. It's good. He made something, He looks at it and He says oh it's good. He looks at the whole thing and He says it's very good. But then in chapter 2 we run into the first thing that God says is not good. In Genesis 2.18 he looks at Adam, sees that there's no suitable partner for him and says it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. The first thing in all of creation that's not good is being alone. And it's being alone that the disciples fear in that upper room right after Jesus has broken the news to them, I'm leaving. Remember, he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled, which is a one way ticket to letting someone's heart be troubled. (laughs) Works like don't be defensive. All right? And then he tells them, I'm going. And he even says, You can't go with me. You know where I'm going, but you can't go. Not right now. Okay? He says, I'm leaving. And at that moment, the disciples panic. Because, as painful as physical aloneness is, spiritual aloneness is even harder. I think of in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, the Lord through the prophet Isaiah is rebuking the people for their false kind of sense of religion. And he says to them in chapter 1 and 15, he says, When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Okay, that, That's a terrifying situation. That when, when sin separates us from God... We feel forsaken and we're left to wonder, does God even care about me anymore? Does God care about us? Does God care about what's going on? And in that moment of fear, here's what I've found. The voice that responds in that moment is very often not the voice of God, but instead is the voice of the enemy. And the devil wants Christians to believe that we have been abandoned. That Jesus has left us because we didn't measure up. Satan wants us to believe that you are not good enough, smart enough, or holy enough to deserve God's favor and presence. He wants us to recoil in shame, assuring ourselves that God couldn't want us anymore. Besides, if He's crazy enough to want someone like me, I probably don't want Him. I think Jesus is acutely aware of how much our souls need community and relationship. Now, I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying you need to be an extrovert. It may surprise you to find out I am not an extrovert. Last night I performed a wedding and it was packed. There were more than 250 people and every one of them I think wanted to see if they could fit into the smallest room (laughs) available and then surround me. And that was not a life-giving moment for me. That was not like, oh I'm getting charged up because all these folks are crowding in here. That was a I need a room where I can be by myself moment for me. Alright, so I had to kind of breathe and catch my breath in some quiet spaces and then come out and I could, I could do the thing. But it's tiring sometimes. Je- Jesus isn't saying you really need to learn how to be an extrovert. Jesus is saying relationships matter that no one is supposed to be alone okay you may be charged up by large crowds you may not be charged up by large crowds but you're not meant to be alone Okay, and so Jesus, I think, recognizes our need for relationship. And so he answers Satan's lie with this truth from John 14 and verse 18. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I I will come to you. I'm not abandoning you. You're not alone. Jesus has given us this amazing gift so that we will know we are not alone. The Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, so many of us have heard heard of conflicting reports about the Holy Spirit that we're skeptical about the Holy Spirit. We're uneasy about the Holy Spirit, and we know more about what we think the Holy Spirit doesn't do than what it does. And here's what I'll say. I think one of the quickest ways to really lose track of what the Holy Spirit is actually doing is to limit what the Holy Spirit does to a worship gathering setting. If this Is the only realm of understanding we have for the Holy Spirit at work, then I get how we get so confused and then we get uneasy. Now I want you to hear me. The Holy Spirit is active. We prayed, Holy Spirit, we want you to come here and fill this place. Amen to that. But this is not the only place where the Holy Spirit is active. As a matter of fact, this is not the primary place. Where the Holy Spirit is active. The experience of the Spirit has a lot less to do with a worship gathering experience than we may think. It has to do with our daily lives. I want to look through John chapters 14, 15, and 16. I know you immediately just got panicked and said, this guy talks for 40 minutes about three verses, now he wants to do three chapters. I'm going to be selective. I want to look through John 14, 15, and 16 because there is a few passages in here where Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit particularly. And I want to look at these and I want to ask what is the Holy Spirit? And I want to ask what does the Holy Spirit do? What is the role of the Holy Spirit in these texts? What is Jesus promising as a gift for us to make sure we know we are not alone? Remember John has written all this so that we might believe. Okay? And so Jesus is explaining to us who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And I want to take a moment to look at that. We're going to, we're going to go to um, John chapter 14. I'm going to start in 15 and it says, if you love me, that's John chapter 14 verse 15, if you love me keep my commands. I'll ask the Father, He'll give you another advocate to help you and He'll be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. All right. The word that's used here that is translated advocate, okay, or you may have counselor, you may have comforter. you may have guide. That Greek word is the Greek word paraclete. Okay, and, and, and to be a paraclete literally means one who comes alongside you and it's almost always used in a legal context. In other words, while you're going through a time of trial, this is one who would sit beside you and act as a guide or support. Okay, this is the one who comes alongside you while you're in a time of trial. So you see how we get comforter, counselor, advocate, right? You see how we're getting these words that, that, that your Bibles use to translate this. Now John 14, 16 provides three important truths about the paraclete, about the Holy Spirit. And the first one that I notice, if you'll put up John 14, 16, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate. The first thing I notice is the word another. Another advocate. The Spirit is another counselor. Jesus reminds His disciples that you've already had one counselor who is with you while you're going through trial, who has guided you, who has taught you, who has instructed you, who has shown you God's presence, and it's Himself. Jesus, just as Jesus has been with them and sustained them, He's promising them, you're going to get another one of those. Second thing I notice is he says that it will be within you. Okay, he says that, in verse, um, <clears throat> says that in verse, I believe, 18. Let me look down at my text real quick and find it. Seven. 17, thank you. Uh, he lives in you and will be in you, thank you. <laughs> the eyes, I'm telling you that I'm not as young as I used to be. Um, within us. Since Eden, all of humanity has longed for the closeness that, that with God that Adam and Eve threw away. And the rest of the Bible is God, is the story of God coming nearer and nearer to reclaim us. You see, this is, this is one of the ways that the Christian story is different from other religions. A lot of religions tell people how they can work their way up to God. But the Christian religion tells us how God came down to us. Because in spite of our sin and brokenness, God loves us. God chooses us. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us as God moves nearer and nearer and nearer. The third thing I notice is that the spirit is a forever promise. will be with you forever. Every believer. Always has this gift, always has this friend. And yes, sometimes the spirit is easier to perceive than at other times. That, right? You have those moments where you're like, whoa, this was, this was a spirit filled experience. This was a moment where I really saw it clearly. And other times you're like, I don't know if it's here now because it doesn't feel very different. Right? We, we go through that, but I will tell you this, every believer, no one, none of us can claim that the Spirit has left us or that we are alone. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, Surely I am with you always until the end of the age. And in John 14, 20, Jesus says, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Because of the Advocate, because of the Spirit that we've been given, we know we are not alone, that Jesus is still with us all of the time. Okay, so the Spirit is with me, but what what does the Spirit do? Well, John 15 verse 26, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit's role is to testify about Jesus. Okay, that that, that, that it's actually going to help us testify. Right after that in verse 27 he says, so you also have to testify. Okay, the Holy Spirit is going to testify about Jesus and we should do that because the Holy Spirit is living within us. Okay, that we are going to be active in that testimony. But whatever the Spirit may do, and there are a lot of people who claim the Spirit does a lot of things. Whatever the Spirit may do though, it's always going to point to Jesus when I begin to be concerned about what people claim is the Spirit's activity is when it points more to them than it does to Jesus. Okay, when it points to me and says, look at me, I tend to think that's not the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit's work is constantly to point to Jesus. Okay, that we'll see Christ. That's why sometimes, and and, and here's the deal, Paul, I know you mentioned that Kenny's not here, and so, you know, we we're gonna have to pick up the slack or whatever. But brother, I appreciate when you sing, man. I do. (laughs) Kenny has a rare gift. He is amazing, and I'll tell you what, he's great to work with behind the scenes too. When he's not on stage, Kenny is a very gifted minister and coworker. Alright. But when when Kenny sometimes will sing and play and you can tell that he is sharing a gift with the church, he'll get done and, and everything in us says that's the response, right? I mean that was amazing. Here's the deal. You're not we're not clapping for Kenny alone. We're clapping because God is being pointed to, because we're seeing Jesus more clearly by the exercise of the Spirit through someone. They're using the gifts God has given them and we say, yes, Jesus, thank you, and thank you for using your servant. Okay, this is not like, oh man, I'd love an encore. If you want to see Kenny perform, you can go see Kenny perform. He does shows sometimes. He's great. I can tell you what, it doesn't look like this. Because Kenny isn't up here performing. I can talk about him because he's not here. But no, I, I know his heart. Kenny's not up here performing for your applause. Kenny is up here honoring Jesus. He's letting the Spirit work through him to point to Jesus. And so we put our hands together and say thank you for showing us the Lord. Okay, that's, that's not what I mean. What I mean is when the Spirit's doing something, when someone claims by the Spirit to be doing something, and then they say, look at me. I think they've missed it. Because the Spirit's job is to point to Jesus. Listen to the second thing Jesus says the Spirit's going to do. It's in chapter 16 and in verse 13. He says, but when He, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He'll speak only what He hears. He'll tell you what is yet to come. All right. He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's work is guiding and teaching. Now, I, I heard a pretty good metaphor for how this works, and so we're going to try it. Now, don't don't press the analogy too far, but I'm I'm going to do my best here. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I think of myself, and I think of myself in several different. Uh, facets. We're going to start where there's this, Adam's Life Incorporated is going to have board meetings. All right, Adam's Life Incorporated and we're going to bring in three of our uh, leaders uh, for Adam's Life Incorporated. They're, they're, They're helping run the show here inside my life. And first we'll start out with Mr. F. Mr. F is the flesh. Mr. F has a strong voice in the boardroom of Adams Life, Incorporated. Alright, now here's the thing about Mr. F. On the the plus side, he's extraordinarily consistent. I know what I'm going to get when Mr. F starts to talk. Extraordinarily consistent. On the downside, it's what he's consistent about. He's always selfish and he is always down for whatever feels best right now. I I, I can trust that I know what Mr. F is going to bring to our discussion it's going to be selfish and it's going to be this is what will please me right now. I can count on that. Now Mr. F is willing when he gets in the boardroom to lie and cheat and steal to get what he wants right now. He'll say, Adam, I know it's not okay to eat an entire coconut cream pie in one setting, but here's what we'll do. You go ahead and eat that pie, and we'll just not eat tomorrow. <laughs> now, here's the deal. If any of you have ever taken that, 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 that deal, you know you're going to eat tomorrow but you let yourself be lied to today to justify whatever would feel good right now. All right that's how Mr. F works in business. He's a manipulator, a con artist, but he's consistent. All right so the second person involved in Adams Life Incorporated is Mr. S and that's the spirit. Like Mr. F, Mr. S is extraordinarily consistent. Always has the same plan, says the same thing. But unlike Mr. F, Mr. S is a straight shooter. He consistently points me towards what is righteous. Towards what looks like, sounds like, and acts like Jesus. I like it. (laughs) There's some excitement happening. I'll take it. Um, So, he's always going to point me towards what looks like, acts like, sounds like Jesus. Consistent with that. The tough part is that he's really honest with me. And sometimes says things to me that I don't want to hear. Things that I don't want to face going on inside myself he doesn't mind bringing up. And so sometimes you have to pay for the truth because what he's selling you is gold, it's it's true, but you have to pay for it with pride. And sometimes I don't want to do that, I'd rather listen to Mr. F. And on most every decision in my life, these two go toe-to-toe. I've found that they almost never agree. And this is why there has to be a deciding vote. Enter Mr. M, my mind. This is the one that casts the deciding vote when Mr. F and Mr. S go at each other, which is pretty much all of the time. The upside to Mr. M is that I can think, I'm free to think. The downside of Mr. M is that he's profoundly inconsistent, whereas the other two are always consistent. Mr. M is the least consistent one in the room. Sometimes he sides with Mr. F, sometimes he sides with Mr. S. We don't know, it's a a coin flip sometimes. Okay, this is why, okay, you can set your mind. This is why there are verses in the Bible like Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above not earthly things. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. My mind needs to be focused on doing what God wants, not what I want. And that takes some training, that takes some discipline. There's going to be missteps, The Spirit guides and teaches, but our minds decide to listen and learn. Now here's the deal, that would be enough, but there's more to it. The Spirit doesn't just advise, the Spirit also empowers. Romans 8.13, listen man, and I don't, I don't have it to put up. Romans 8.13, it says that you can put to death. This is amazing. It says, by the Spirit, we can put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. Folks, I don't know if you heard that, but that is not a small promise, Susie. Think about it. That by the Spirit, I can put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. Amen. That man, I am waiting on that. I am banking on that. That is not a small promise. That is a big, powerful promise, full of power promise. That it's not just that the Spirit tells me what to do or teaches me what to do, the Spirit empowers me to do it. Know this the Holy Spirit does not force you to obey. Your mind is involved. The Holy Spirit is not making you do what you don't want to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't force you to obey. But it does empower us so that our obedience can transform us into a sign that points the rest of the world to the truth. And when we allow the wisdom and power of Jesus to have full sway in our lives through the Holy Spirit, we become a convicting sign to the world. We become the proof of Jesus' testimony. We become the evidence of Jesus' gracious authority. If you remember back to the beginning of this conversation Jesus is having with His disciples, He says in 1427, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. You see, Jesus has provided the answer to loneliness, and it's peace. But Jesus can read the room. He sees that the more he talks about leaving, the less peace they feel. And so look how honest he is in John 16, 6, where he says, Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. He can read the room and say, I see that the more I talk about leaving, the more panicked you get. Verse 7 But very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. How in the world could that be for our good? Jesus we need you. Who are we without you? Very truly I tell you it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go I will send Him to you. You see Jesus' promise is more peace. But what could be more peace giving than the physical presence of Jesus? and his answer is the everlasting spiritual presence of Jesus you see the original disciples were blessed to sit and walk with Jesus but dean we are blessed to do everything we do with the presence of Jesus inside us everything Paul, go ahead and bring your team up. Church, do you see what Christ's leaving gave us? As believers, you and I can be at peace with Jesus anytime, anywhere. Because we have the Spirit always within us, it matters not whether we are locked in a cell or in a frustrating marriage. Uh oh. He started preaching. It doesn't matter whether we're trapped in a job that has us feeling lost or in a physical body that leaves us feeling defeated or depressed. Although we're imprisoned for a time in this world, we strain to hear a message tapped out on the walls of the cell next door. The words are simple but they're the ones we need until Jesus returns. He's with us always. We're not alone. Stay strong. When Peter preaches on Pentecost he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My prayer today is that you would receive the gift, the advocate, the counselor, the friend, to guide you and teach you, to point you towards Jesus, to work inside your life all the time, empowering you to listen to the spirit and not your flesh. Empowering you to put to death the deeds of the flesh. I pray that you give yourself to Christ, that you're baptized into Christ and that you receive this wonderful gift that we all share. And in that spirit, we can stand and worship Christ together. Stand, let's sing. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your Spirit and your Son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father, in Christ's holy name, amen.